I bring greetings from Southern California. And now, Southern California is a great place to live, but it compares not to Hawaii. <laughs> Let me tell you. We like to say in Southern California, every day is like a vacation. Well, I know what it truly is to be like a vacation every day is we've been here with, uh, with friends. We have four boys, my wife and I, and we're here uh, visiting some friends, staying out at Camp Homolani, and we're out there with the Tobins, the Nolans, the Chamnesses, you know some of those folks, and we're just having a great time, going to the beach, you know, seeing some of your beautiful shores, and uh, we leave in two days, and both my wife and I said, we don't want to go. So, Phil, if you have a job for us, we'll take it. We don't want to go. Um, we got to go back because on January 1st, the Salvation Army celebrates at the beginning, the mark of its 150th anniversary. And we're going to celebrate in Southern Cal by marching in the Tournament of Roses parade. Has anybody watched that? Oh, good. I'm glad. <laughs> so you have to watch for us because, see, See that guy in the middle? That's me. So you have to watch. And my wife's going to be there. And Commissioner uh, Jim and Carolyn Nags are going to be up there in front with us. And you need to know, so I want you to, to know this. When you're, uh, when you're sitting by the television and somebody's sitting next to you, you can say this. I know something you probably don't know. And you can give them two facts. Here's the two facts. One, the Salvation Army Band is the longest marching unit in the parade's history. We have marched 96 consecutive years. Pretty impressive. In fact, there's four bands, and the Salvation Army Band's one of them that doesn't get an invitation. We're automatically put into the parade every year. And this year, as we marched down Colorado Boulevard, about five and a half miles in front of 800,000 and 80 million people around the world watching it, we're representing the Salvation Army. We're representing God. We're representing Jesus Christ. And we'll be playing tunes that people of amazing grace and, and uh, you know, onward Christian soldiers and things like that that people will enjoy. And uh, as Phil and, uh, mentioned, we go way back. I think we worked at Camp O'Wood in Arizona when we were like 13 years of age. He's a lot older than me. Um, but we had a great time, and we grew up together playing basketball. And if you ever want stories, I'll meet you out in the lobby. I'll be glad to share them with you. Of course, they'll be my version of the stories, but I'd be glad to share them. They're, they're wonderful pastors, and you're, you're blessed people to have them. Well, I hope you had a wonderful Christmas. Uh, I hope your joy was complete this Christmas. I hope that you celebrate God himself, because that's who we celebrated at Christmas. And, and while we're here in this kind of, you know, after Christmas Sunday and leading into the New Year's, I hope that it was just filled with wonderful memories I hope it was filled with time of worship, Christ the King. And I hope that you just had a great time. I love Christmas season. We went and saw your nativity, live nativity at your DHQ, and, and that was beautiful, watching the folks come and watch the nativity scene. And yesterday we saw your beautiful coastline at Makapu Lighthouse. It was beautiful. Um, and then, of course, we had to go to Uncle Clay's. Yeah, that's rough. I think I have to go back. I think I will go back. It's great. But I want to encourage you this morning. And I want to challenge you. So are you ready? I want to encourage you and challenge you. Because, you know, right now, this time of year, we start thinking of New Year's resolutions. We start uh, talking about, well, how many of you are going to make a New Year's resolution? 
just a few. Do you know that only 48% of everybody make a New Year's resolution? And do you know how many achieve those New Year's resolutions? About 8%. Here's the top 10 New Year's resolutions. There's it. Number one, losing weight. Two, getting organized. Are these us? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Three, spend, time, uh, spend less, save more, enjoy life to the fullest, staying fit and healthy, learn something exciting, quit smoking, help others in their dream, fall in love, and then spend more time with the family. Those are the top 10 resolutions that everybody uses. They're fine. They're wonderful. I don't have a problem with people who make resolutions. If that's their thing, they're due. But, but I have a friend, and his daughter asked him, what is it that keeps you going year in and year out? What is it that charges your batteries? What is it that helps and encourages you the most? And he says the one attribute that keeps him going year round is that of hope. That of hope. It brings encouragement to go forward and challenge in the new year. Well, that's what I hope to give you a little bit this morning. My wife read Isaiah 6 for you. And uh, this is a chapter about hope and challenge. And that's the goal. Let me give you a little bit of background. Isaiah's ministry lasted four decades, 40 years, under four kings of Judah. It's actually 66 chapters long. Now, if you make the correlation, so is the Bible, 66 books. And it has very similar correlations between the Old and the New Testament. But here is the land of Judah, and it's going through a crisis. And you might relate to this, because I do. There's a lot of wickedness going on in the world. There's a lot of uh, political and social and spiritual uh, contrast and, and controversy going on. And it's a condition that God finds intolerable. Now, back in the days of Abraham, back in those days, Sodom stood alone as the universal sign of disgrace. When you wanted to compare things that were really bad, they would compare them to Sodom. And here they are. This nation is being compared to Sodom because it had sunk so low morally, spiritually, socially. It was heading in the wrong direction. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes that's, I, I can feel that way about our world, about what's going on. Every day I see something going in the wrong direction. And society sinking lower and lower, morally, spiritually, and socially. But let me pose this. Perhaps this is the challenge I have for you today. I believe this. I believe God's looking around this room. And the people in this room are here for a reason. You're not here by chance. And I believe God is looking for somebody in this room who's willing to step out, out of our culture, do something that only can be done with the presence of God. I believe that God is calling you to step out on a ledge, on a cliff, and be willing to step out knowing that only he could, could sustain you when you step out. You know, is it one of those Indiana Jones movies, I think, where they have to step out on faith and once he does, there's a bridge. I believe that God is calling you this morning to be on the edge of your seat, to be ready to act by what God might ask you to do for this coming year, 
to do something that you've never done before and you've never thought of before. Something amazing, something impossible. Something that only you can do with the help of God. Are you ready for that? Are you ready? I mean, that's, that's like a big challenge, isn't it? But I believe that that's what God is calling for somebody in this, in this chapel today. And maybe that is your resolution with him this morning. To do something that you've never done. To stay on the edge and totally rely on God. You know, when it happens, it's amazing. I don't know if you've ever been there before, but it's amazing. And I don't know where you might be when you felt the presence of God. I don't know where you might have been. I don't know if you're right here this morning, you feel God's presence. Isaiah, he was in the temple. He was in the temple. He was going around doing his things, his rituals, his daily duties, part of his job. He was a priest. He was a believer like many of us, all of us. And he was good at it. And he knew what to do every Sunday morning. And I, I guarantee you, just like the worship team and all those on the ministry team today, they were going around their duties, making sure the bathrooms were clean, making sure the music was ready for worship, making sure the doors were open, making sure their seats, just going around doing all these, these things. Now, I, Isaiah might have been on the incense detail that day, and we was lighting the incense, getting it ready for worship, expecting nothing less than just to come and worship. And all of a sudden, the impossible happens. All of a sudden, you're going around your normal duty, and then God just shows up. God shows up. I believe this. I believe everything is possible for him who believes. Do you? Now, wait a minute. Let's, let's just dissect that a second. I believe everything is possible. I believe anything is possible. I believe all things are possible for him who believes. And this is where Isaiah is. He's all of a sudden going around doing his things and all of a sudden, poof, God shows up in the temple. And they say the train of his robe filled the temple. And then there's these these angelic figures that come and they're there. And all of a sudden, the angelic figures say this, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. With intensity and believability, they say that. I want you to turn to your neighbor right now and say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Come on now. No, 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 wait, hang on. You gotta say it like you believe it with intensity. You know, like you believe it. Do it again, here we go. All of a sudden, can you just imagine Isaiah going around, doing his thing, lighting the incense or whatever he might have been doing, and all of a sudden God shows up in the temple and his train fills the temple? Can you imagine what that might be like? Can you imagine? You know, you don't expect God to do that kind of thing, do you? And all of a sudden God shows up all of a sudden and that we don't expect it, 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 you know, it would blow my mind. How many times have you come to church never expecting God to show up? How many times do we come and worship him 
never really expecting him to be there. Oh, we we have great intentions with our heart, but many times we don't expect God to do something, do we? And Isaiah didn't either. And here, all of a sudden, this happens. We come so often to be in the house of God. We go to our homes. We do our work, everything that we do in our lives, and we don't expect God to be there. And all of a sudden, he shows up. And the impossible is made possible. And it goes on, and it says this. And then the doorpost started to shake, and there's a smoke that started to fill the room. I will tell you this. If there was a smoke that started to fill this room, I'd be the first one out that door. I'd be going and find the the fire alarm on my way out, wouldn't you? Because we don't expect it. We don't expect God to show up in these kinds of ways. But wouldn't it be great, and wouldn't it be fitting if we did? Wouldn't it be fitting if we came to church on Sunday mornings or wherever else just waiting to meet God? Just waiting to expect to see him there? That would be awesome. Moses was a man of faith. I don't know that he believed in miracles. I'm sure he did. The impossible acts of God and the Lord appeared to Moses in what? A blazing, firing bush. Impossible, you say. My God makes the impossible possible. Let me give you a little side note. Do you know that we are supposed to magnify the presence of God? Well, think about that a second. You and I, we're supposed to magnify the presence of God. Do you know what that means? The psalmist says this. He says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let's exalt his name forever. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let's exalt his name forever. I'm supposed to magnify God. And so are you. I'm supposed to bring my best game every Sunday to those around me and every day of the week. And so are you. And together, we magnify God. Together, God's presence is intensified because of our belief. Now, I was a kid, and I'm sure many of you did the same thing. You got a magnifying glass, right? And you know, if you take it out, and the, yeah, you're, if the sun shines through the magnifying glass, you know, I started with leaves, you know, get that, hold it still, the sun shines through, and the leaves start to burn. That's pretty fun. Then I went on to bugs, you know, and I'm sorry. Um, But if you hold it in the right place long enough, the sun will shine through and magnify whatever it's focusing on. That's the Son of God shining through you and magnifying those whom you share his love with. Isaiah's in the presence of God. And all of a sudden, he realizes how weak and how uh, he is not ready, he's not worthy to be in God's presence. I think when we come in, we're in the presence of God. We realize that too. And God speaks to us. And so what happens? It says that the angel came and took some coal 
and placed it on his lips and purified him. The scriptures tell us to make us as gold and silver. I don't know when God shows up to you in your life, but when I'm in front of him, I think I'm going to realize that I'm not right, I'm not worthy. And then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go quickly here because we're running out of time. But, but what happens? All of a sudden, Isaiah gets a text from God. It says, Isaiah, who's going to go for us? Who's going to go for us? And so Isaiah texts back and says, you know what, God? I think I will. I'll go. I'll go. And I, I don't know about you, but I I hope that's your response. When the Lord comes to you and touches you and you're in the presence of God and you realize that you're not worthy as you should be, and then he comes and he restores you with a coal on your lips and cleanses you and and makes you pure again. And then all of a sudden he says, now I need you to use you. I want to use you. Will you be used? And I hope you'll text back and say, I'll go. I'll do it, God. And that's what he did. And then all of a sudden... God and him are having a a chat, a text chat back and forth. And Isaiah says, what do you want me to do? And I'm going to go real fast through this last part. He says, what do you want me to do? And he says, I want you to minister to people. Wow, okay, I can do that. No, but he goes, I want you to minister to people. And you know what? They're not going to listen. They're not going to hear. They're not going to see. And, and I want you to minister to them. And when you use a Greek word and you don't, some people are going to get upset in your sermon and some people aren't, you know, because you didn't. And I would just want you to just minister to them. And Isaiah says, well, that sounds kind of depressing, you know, because these people aren't listening. Their ears are dull and, and they're not hearing your message. How many people celebrated Christmas, but they celebrated Christmas, not Christmas? They celebrated a holiday. They didn't celebrate the image of God and the baby Jesus. Isaiah says, I'll do it, but how long do I have to do it? And God says, forever, until I say. He says, until I say, you're going to have to just keep doing it. You know, and keep going. And keep going. You know, um, I saw on a YouTube a video of a Chinese congregation. And they brought forth a suitcase. And the suitcase was filled with Bibles. And the pastor brought it forth and he opened it up. And the people ran to get a Bible. I don't know if you saw this, but I saw it. And then they grabbed their Bible and they clutched their Bible and they started crying because they were so happy that they had a Bible. What a beautiful scene, huh? And I thought to myself, what would it take? What would it take in our world and in our culture to have people have that kind of expression of love to get a Bible and be crying about it and just be enjoying it? that they own a Bible, let alone just a Bible. I bet, you know, perhaps if I brought a suitcase to the front and I opened it up and I had it filled with iPhone 6s, <laughs> people might rush to grab one. Or iPhone 7s, they're not even out. 
But you know, it's interesting because we can laugh about that. But isn't that our mentality? Isn't that where we come from? We get so used to the routine things of life and going about our normal processes day in and day out that we forget what it's like to be in the presence of God and to really yearn for him and to want to be with him. Well, let me, let me bring this, wrap it up really quick. Wearsby says this in his commentary, at the end, it looks like a stump. And that's where this scripture says. He says, you're going to have to keep doing this over and over until it becomes a stump. You know, a tree that's cut off at the bottom, it's, it has nothing left. It's nothing but a stump. And he goes, it looks like a stump. And the last sentence, the holy seed of God is a stump. It's a stump. I, I read this and I kind of went, what? The holy seed of God is a stump? And then I realized, and out of that stump grows a shoot. Now, it's kind of like an oak tree, and I don't know if you've ever seen an oak tree, but when it's, it's just a stump, and then out of that stump, one little shoot will grow up. And here's the hope of this passage for you. That one little shoot that's growing out of, the, out of that stump represents what God wants to do in your life and in mine. He wants a new shoot to come out. That shoot represents the line of Jesse. And that may not mean a lot to you. But along the line of Jesse, his son was David, one of the greatest kings ever. And Jesse has a son named David. And along that line, if you follow that line, the lineage of David, it leads where? To Jesus. Out of the stump is the hope for all of us, the shoot that leads to Jesus. I hope that this New Year's, as you prepare for the coming 2015, that maybe you rethink and refocus on the future and what God wants from you. I said that I believe that God wants to call you to a new mission. I believe that God wants you to step out on the edge, far beyond whatever you're comfortable with. I want you to come expecting that God's presence would fill the temple and that smoke and the pillars would come. Wouldn't that be awesome? To be in the presence of God? That's what God wants for you. He wants people who are willing and he's looking around this congregation and other congregations everywhere, everyone who believes in him, to do the impossible. And that can only be done with God. It can only be done by his power and his might. And I pray that would be the case for you and and for this congregation. That this coming year that you'll step out. Not knowing what's below you. Not even knowing if there's going to be anything there for you. You're just willing to step out in faith. Because God has called you to this mission. I heard a pastor once call it mission impossible. Well, there's no mission impossible with God. He makes all things possible. And he's looking for you 
and he's looking for people like me and you that can do that. About a couple days ago, and I was reading one commentary, it said this. Churches are declining across America. People are attracted to Christ, but they're not attracted to Christians. Did you hear that? They're attracted to Christ, but they're not attracted to Christians. What is it that we are projecting that is not attracting people to Christ? Could it be the things that we gather around us and that we don't even realize? Could it be the rituals, the traditions, and we're not magnifying the Lord? I pray that we would be Christians that would attract people to the Lord. So we need to get back to believing in God. We need to get back into believing that he's big enough, that he is big enough, that he can do all things, and we can do all things because we believe in him. The stump represents humanity, and the shoot growing out of it represents the descendant down the line to our Messiah. You know, the, Isaiah said the words, these words, which are very familiar that we use at Christmas time. He says this, for unto us a child is born. Remember? He's talking about the shoot of Jesse from that stump. Unto us the Son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And of this increase, his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and all over his kingdom. That's our hope for the future. 